Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Once again, it is the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How is everybody doing? I am your host, Richard Holdridge. Happy to be here on this Thursday. We have got a jam-packed show. I've got two guests on the show, not to mention my co-host, Corey Bank. He's going to join me later for the Daily Dash as we are going to make some football picks. The National Football League Week 2. we got a big game tonight between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers. we got some Thursday night football action in the Chattahoochee Valley to include Spencer and Kendrick, Sumter County at Northside, and up I-185, we have got a massive high school football game, Whitewater, taking on Troop County. This is episode 461, as you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia, and we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, Backwoods Barbecue, and Planet Fitness. We're going to talk about the Atlanta Braves losing to the Giants. They lose two out of three. Could not take advantage of the Chicago Cubs sweeping the New York Mets. They still have to play the Mets for a three-game series, but they're about to take on the Philadelphia Phillies and the Washington Nationals as the Major League Baseball season is wrapping up. We have an Albert Pujols home run watch, and the Los Angeles Dodgers are about to win their 100th game of the season. It seems like they have not skipped a beat. So let's get right into the show. How is everybody doing? I am so excited that I'm doing this show. I've got a great show because I got Zach Kyleman, host of a podcast called Inside the Walls, and he is going to join me on the show. And I also have Tanya Chavez, who's going to join me on the show. We're going to talk about the weekend of sports, college football, and the National Football League. We got high school football tonight and Friday night. Myself and Corey Bank are going to be down at Russell County calling the Wetumpka-Russell County game for the high school game of the week on the CW, Jabama, and CTV Beam. Hopefully it doesn't end like the Glenwood Bessemer Academy game ended where the kicker knocked out the power in the stadium. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, it's such a great time just to do sports. Um, but the Atlanta Braves. Let's talk about the Atlanta Braves for a second because I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. Yeah, I'm happy that the Giants won two out of three against the Atlanta Braves. The Braves are not helping their situation. Not helping at all. The Giants beat the Braves 4-1. to The Chicago Cubs beat the New York Mets 6-3. to And now the Mets get ready for a three-game series with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And the Braves get ready for a three-game series at Truett's Park against the Philadelphia Phillies. So right now, the Atlanta Braves are 88-55. and They are half a game behind the New York Mets. It's starting to get close to the end now. The Mets have lost three straight. 
and the Braves could not capitalize. They lose two out of three to the San Francisco Giants. But hey, a big shout out to Atlanta United for picking up a one mil victory over Orlando City. And their playoff hopes are still alive. Looking at the tables in Major League Soccer for the Eastern Conference, Atlanta United is currently in ninth place. They are tied with Inter-Miami and only two points back from the Columbus crew. Atlanta United might make the playoffs. This is actually a, a pretty good thing. Atlanta United has struggled all year. And there's a chance that they could make the playoffs. The Philadelphia Union has been the best team in the Eastern Conference all year. And then over in the Western Conference, LAFC. Is this the year that LAFC finally wins a championship? And just another championship for the city of Los Angeles. Wouldn't that be special for the city of Angels? We got NFL Week 2 coming up. The Atlanta Falcons taking on the Los Angeles Rams. Hopefully, the Atlanta Falcons can get a victory there uh, but they really blew their chances with the new orleans saints you got the wnba finals the las vegas aces taking on the connecticut sun i really love what head coach becky hammond is doing in las vegas she won a wnba championship as a player she's about to win one as a coach the las vegas aces have a dynamic duo of kelsey plum and asia wilson and I normally don't talk a whole lot about WNBA on here, but the Atlanta Dream had the Rookie of the Year. They had Ryan Howard, and I think the Atlanta Dream, who went to two WNBA Finals, would like to see the Atlanta Dream do well in a future WNBA seasons. I just can't believe the WNBA has been around for 25 years. I mean, this is incredible. Sue Bird is retired, but now the WNBA regular season for 2022 comes to a close. Well, it looks like Georgia is not going to play Oklahoma in 2023. They have taken Oklahoma off their schedule, and they are scheduling Ball State. It's because they planned a home-and-home with Oklahoma, but it looks like Oklahoma and Texas are joining the SEC in 2025. Same with Tennessee. They took Oklahoma off their schedule as well. NBA training camp is two weeks away. Cannot wait to talk about the Hawks. They just signed Jared Culver, but the Atlanta Hawks with the trio of Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, and John Collins cannot wait for the Atlanta Hawks as their first preseason game is going to be October the 6th against the Milwaukee Bucks in Abu Dhabi. Nice. All right, it's time to bring Corey Bank on for the Daily Dash. You don't want to miss it. Back with Corey. Welcome back to the Daily Dash with Corey Bank. It's that time of the show where we make our NFL picks. Let's start with this Thursday night game tonight. Oh, this is a massive game. The Los Angeles Chargers traveling to Arrowhead Stadium to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by four. Corey, I still think that these two teams are two Super Bowl contenders. You have Justin Herbert going up against Patrick Mahomes. Who you got in this game? Well, the Kansas City Chiefs have a gifted quarterback by the name of Patrick Mahomes, one of the best to come by in this league with his mobility to get outside the pocket and his leadership. It makes him tough to beat. He has a dynamic tight end that he throws to Travis Kelsey. They are the best tight end quarterback duo in the game. But like you said, Richard, on the Chargers side, they have Justin Herbert. But I believe in this one. 
the Chiefs are going to pull this one out. All right, and uh, I threw this one in here for you, Corey, because I know you're a Jets fan. Took one on the chin against uh, Baltimore in week one. They take on the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland for week two. Who do you got in this game? Cleveland is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Well, Richard, as a Jet fan, I am counting the days Zach Wilson comes back. They're saying that he's going to be out for another four to five weeks. Uh, Michael Carter is a bright spot on this Jets team as well as Jets linebacker, leading tackler, C.J. Mosley. But in order for them to be competitive in the game, they're going to need receivers Elijah Moore and Corey Davis to keep them competitive in this game. Now, on the Cleveland Browns side, they have one of the best running backs in the game, Nick Chubb, who rushed for 141 yards last week, and they're led by outstanding linebacker Miles Garrett, one of the best run-stuffing linebackers in the game, especially when they give him exotic blitz packages right in the holes. I do think the Browns are going to pull this one out despite the Jets' quarterback antics, as well as not having Deshaun Watson on the Browns' end. And the next game that we are going to talk about, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to the Superdome to take on the New Orleans Saints. Buccaneers are favored by two and a half. I disagree here, Corey, because the Saints play the Buccaneers very well in the regular season. Jameis Winston was on fire week one against the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, Tampa Bay really wasn't challenged against the Dallas Cowboys. Their defense just took over the game. It is strength on strength. You got two talented defenses. And I think that the New Orleans Saints get the victory here because they're playing at home and they have that home field advantage. Well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they looked great last week coming off the win, led by the legendary quarterback Tom Brady, who has become the oldest quarterback ever to start in a football game. That's something you've never seen. So the Bucks' leading running back is workhorse back Leonard Fournette, who rushed for 127 yards last week. I believe he is going to continue his dominance despite Pro Bowl defensive end Cameron Jordan on the Saints' side is a threat to the Bucks' passing and rushing attack. Mike Evans is the dynamic receiver, and he is Brady's favorite target. They're led in the middle by a stout linebacker, Devin White. On the Saints' end, they have a combination of Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. It's a very tough duo running with the football, catching the football out in the slot and in the backfield. But the leading pass catchers on the Saints team are Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas. So I believe in the end of the day, the Buccaneers are going to be using ground and pound too much in the trenches, and they're going to win this football game. The Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers. I am a diehard 49ers fan. I can't stand the Seahawks, and now I really don't know how I feel about them now that they don't have Russell Wilson. They shocked me when they knocked off Russell Wilson and the Broncos on a Monday night. They got a short week traveling to Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. The 49ers are trying to get off the mat after losing to the Chicago Bears. We don't know the status of George Kittle. Elijah Mitchell is going to be out for two months. I'm shocked. The 49ers are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. I think the 49ers are going to win this game, but I would take the points. That's a lot of points to give, especially to an arch-rival Pete Carroll just has the Seahawks playing tough at all times with or without Russell Wilson. And Geno Smith really surprised me, played very well in that game against the Denver Broncos. 
I got the 49ers in the points. Uh, what do you say, Corey? So the CLC Hawks have lost five of the eight road games. That is the stat. But Geno Smith last week completed 82% of his passes. That's pretty accurate for 195 yards and two touchdowns. Will Disley and Colby Parkinson have combined for 86 receiving yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that's pretty impressive on a tight end duo like that. DK Metcalf had seven receptions. The Seattle Seahawks ground game is averaging 76 yards per contest. And Rashad Penny leads the way with 60 yards on 12 carries, 5 yards per carry average. Defensively, Seattle is allowing 16 points a game. But the thing is, is that their linebacking crew is led by Jordan Brooks. He had 12 tackles in the game. Although the Seahawks won't be playing with the same juice they did in the opener, the San Francisco 49ers are also not as bad as what they looked like in their home game. And they won't be playing in a monsoon this time. On paper, this should be a comfortable win for the home team. However, the Seahawks have a physical defense and a powerful ground attack, two things that help you win on the road in this league. The 49ers are still breaking in quarterback Lance. They are having a hard time trusting his consistency. Will they blow them out? I don't know about that. But in the end of the day, I do think the 49ers will prevail on the end of the day. I absolutely agree with you, Corey. I believe that Kyle Shanahan will have a game plan for Trey Lance with or without George Kittle. We still don't know the status of that. He's going to have weapons. Juwan Jennings, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. That offensive line is going to help Trey Lance, and he's going to give him opportunities to be successful. The only thing that I'm concerned about with Trey Lance is his quarterback accuracy. He completes less than 50% of his throws. So when he gets into third down situations like third and long, I don't trust that Trey Lance can make a play. He still is dynamic in the ground game. Like he can run for the first down, but he made so many mistakes in that Chicago Bears game. And I was so disappointed because the 49ers gave up three first round picks for Trey Lance. He's supposed to be the future of the 49ers. The fan in me? was calling for the 49ers to bench him and start Jimmy Garoppolo in his place. But you get a young quarterback in any situation like that on the road in terrible weather conditions with a decent defense from the Chicago Bears. You're right. I think that the San Francisco 49ers do get the win, especially with their defense led by Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. All right, Corey, well, we have one more game on the schedule. And with this being a local podcast of the state of Georgia, we cannot have an NFL Pick'em show without talking about the Atlanta Falcons. But this Falcons team is not as bad as we think. I thought that they did some good things against the New Orleans Saints in week one. However, they cannot close out games. The Rams were embarrassed on Thursday night against the Buffalo Bills. The Rams have an extra couple days to prepare for this game. It's in SoFi Stadium. The Rams are favored by 10.5. I think the Rams win, and they win comfortably. Corey, does the Falcons make it a game? I believe the Falcons are going to make it a game for the first half, and then we're going to see the Rams really come together as the team that they are. I mean, Aaron Donald... Down the stretch in the game is going to be too much with a pass rush and getting in the backfield, making it very hard for this offensive line. I think that's going to be the decision in the game, in the trenches. I do think the Rams are going to come out victorious, 
But I do think it's going to take until at least halfway through the third quarter for them to really break out. And I think that Jalen Ramsey is going to have a bounce-back game. The the matchup I want to see is Drake London versus Jalen Ramsey. The Rams are going to find a way to double Kyle Pitts. They're going to stop the run game with Cordell Patterson. I think the Rams respond, and that's how they're able to get the victory. Well, Corey, uh, another successful episode of the Daily Dash with Corey Bank. All right, we'll be back with... Zach Kyleman, the host of a podcast called Inside the Walls Podcast. He's going to be joining me on the show. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to the show. And I am so excited about my next guest. He's been on before. He's the host of a podcast called Inside the Walls. And I know we're in the off season of the National Arena League. But Zach Kyleman, Zach, I'm so glad that you're able to make it onto the show. Zach, it's great to have you back. Yeah, glad to be back on on with you, uh, Richard. I can't wait to uh, discuss what we have to discuss, uh, at least certain parts of it. I know we gotta got to circle back around to a few things as there's been news on your end in Columbus. So, uh, yeah, um, offseason might be here for the NAL, but that doesn't mean that the news stops. Uh, there's still plenty of stuff going on. The latest news that, Former Columbus Lions head coach Jason Gibson taking the position to be the new head coach of the Jacksonville Sharks. First of all, Zach, I don't know how you felt about it, but when I found out he was taking the job to be the head coach of Jacksonville, I was completely stunned. <laughs> I, uh, I'll i be honest with you, that 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 was a curveball. Because, I mean, I'll, I'll be frank, the uh, before that announcement had happened, uh, we had met up at the championship game. I had been talking with him. He had been talking, and him and I had been talking about the next season ahead, um, which obviously a big deal like this. I mean, I, this, going to the Jacksonville Sharks. I, I don't know what at what timeline that was in him going to Jacksonville, but quite frankly, I mean that, that that's something you don't just drop, you know, because I mean that's that's game changing because J- Jason Gibson, for all all intents and purposes, is one of the landmark head coaches in the National Arena League. He's been there since the beginning, even earlier with successes before the NAL. So some a news piece like that, you just don't, like no matter how much you trust or talk to a guy, you just don't let that get out there, you know? And so um, it was kind of, it's kind of weird thinking back now that it was within a, like within one week after talking to him about like the upcoming season with the Lions, you know, all of a sudden it's, oh dang, he's in Jacksonville now? the flip over to an organization, a rival organization of that. It's yeah. It was kind of hard for me to fathom. <laughs> I'm still trying to process it, but I'm happy for coach Gibson and his family. It's a great opportunity. Uh, Jacksonville's a great market and he's going to have instant success at Jacksonville. And that rivalry between Columbus and Jacksonville has gotten a little bit more interesting. I cannot wait until that first game when the Jacksonville Sharks come to the Columbus Center. And you know what, Zach? I'm going to be the first person down at the field shaking Coach Gibson's hand because I appreciated all of his hard work and all the things that he has done for my broadcasting career. He was the one who brought me on, on the broadcast team for the Columbus Lions. And, of course, he's a part owner of the Columbus Rapids, which is the indoor soccer team. And he offered me that job, and I've been the play-by-play announcer for the Rapids. And I've gotten to know Coach Gibson over the last couple of years. He used to have a segment on our local radio station here in Columbus, and we just hit it off. I mean, it was just instant chemistry because of his knowledge of football, and I was trying to be a guest host on the show, and 
And I, I really just appreciate him. And he's such a great guy. He's got a great family. And I wish Coach Gibson nothing but the best of luck. I wish him the best as well. And I, I'm just, I'll be frank. I think that he's going to a, a fantastic situation over in Jacksonville. I mean, he said it himself in their uh, press conference for the Sharks that the Sharks are considered to him the Yankees of the NAL, which. You know, it, that's hard to not argue that. They've had such a success in history uh, in arena and in the league itself. And quite frankly, I mean, I think that he is going to be going to a new challenge and him and his family are going to really enjoy it over there in Jacksonville with what they're getting. Columbus, he gave so much for. And obviously the city definitely is appreciative of what he has done the 16 years he was there uh, as a head coach or part of the owner of the organization or in the front office for the organization, you know, whatever capacity he was doing. I mean, I, you know, talking with him, I mean, he did, he had so many roles with the lions that he really was kind of just the embodiment of what the Columbus lions are. So uh, he'll, he'll be, he'll be making quite an impact over there in Jacksonville. And honestly with them getting Jason Gibson, that just puts the league, I think on notice that, that is a, to me, that is one that is one of the top guys in terms of recruiting talent in the National Arena League, and putting him over there in Jacksonville, which is a large organization with plenty of resources, that's kind of scary to me. There's plenty of potential next year for Jacksonville to take an even farther step than they did last season, even making the playoffs. I could not agree more. And also, you have been very busy this offseason, had a couple of podcasts for Inside the Walls. And, you know, of course, we're going to have two brand new teams in the National Arena League, the Fayetteville Mustangs and the West Texas Warbirds. I know I'm excited about uh, the next season, and I know that you're going to have a full slate of episodes but also we received word that was also a little bit shocking that the Columbus Lions have a new ownership group, the president of the Albany Empire. And I think, you know, Zach, you probably know more information about this. Uh, the president of Albany and then the, the ownership group from Orlando has come on to become the owners of uh, the Columbus Lions. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot going on here. Um, so what we have is you're having a combination of Essentially, the trio that owns the Albany Empire, um, you have Mike Quarta, Ron Tradico, and then Nate Starling, who is a minority owner of the Empire, but also one of the main owners of the Orlando Predators. They're coming together, as well as the president of the Albany Empire, uh, Jeff Levesque, who won Executive of the Year, by the way, last year. Those four coming together, they are going to be buying an ownership stake in the Columbus Lions. Um, the same owners that are there, they are still... It, they are still owning a part of the stake. The thing is that they are, they're kind of changing up the ownership group. It helps balance out cost and it helps, you know, bring in new, fresh and new ideas as well. So the way this is going to work is you, you basically, as, as we've seen right now, Jeff Levesque is going to be kind of heading up a lot more with Columbus moving forward. Uh, he actually moved on from his position in Albany. Um, so he'll be heading up a lot of Columbus operations starting this year. And they're going to be diving in and trying to kind of reinvigorate a little bit more of the franchise. You know, uh, that is, that's the objective. Um, they are very dedicated. I'll be honest with, with you. I mean, Ron Tradico and Nate Starling have been involved in a ton of starting of starting up operations for teams. I mean, they got, they got the things together with Albany. They helped get things together with Orlando. They know what they're doing and they're very dedicated for sure 
with the rain of football. Mike Carter, I mean, there's not much else I can say. The guy loves the sport, and he's a die he's a diehard Empire fan, and is dedicated towards getting them to stay forever in Albany. So I can only imagine him being involved with this operation in Columbus with Jeff, who you know Jeff worked with Mike, and they'll be working together now. Um, you can trust them. They're going to bring a good they're going to bring a good product, and I think there and some some exciting ideas for how the Lions can uh, continue on forward and even excel even farther than where they are right now. You know, they are, they're a stalwart franchise uh, in the NAL. They are one of the cornerstones, you know, if we're talking like NFL terms, I always compare like the sharks and the lions to the uh, bears and Packers of the NAL because they're the founding fathers. So, you know, you want to have the lions in the long-term future. I think this is a great way to stabilize them. Uh, and I also think that, again, it refreshes the brand as well. It, it helps – it brings some new faces in, new, maybe some new changes. And there, I know there's a new announcement coming on Tuesday, so we'll get that next step hopefully uh, soon enough. And I want to talk about – because we don't know what that announcement is going to be next Tuesday. I have uh, some thoughts, some speculations, because everybody is wondering who is going to be the next head coach of the Columbus Lions. Honestly, whoever they choose, I, I'm really hoping it's leaning towards uh, the Lions alumni type of area. Because, I mean, I, my my first choice actually is if they do, if he accepts it and if they want to go this way. I do like Damon Daniel. Um, you know, just the stigma he has had being being a famous for the, in the organization. And honestly, I mean, if we're talking defensively, I mean, look what he did last year with that unit. I mean, they were impressive. That. I loved what Columbus did defensively last season for an arena team. And I really would like to see that continue. I feel like he could do some wonders continuing that operation and getting someone to handle the offense independently, you know, whichever route they go. I know that re-signings in the NAL are kind of, you know, they're one year basis usually. And there's some, you know, iffiness on if people return, but like say you get like Daniel Smith back in the organization since Mason Espinosa, we know is definitely retired. Um, then you could probably have a pretty – you could probably enhance your offense or at least get Daniel Smith to another level if you get someone that can handle him by himself. You know, take over what Jason was doing on that side. Um, Sia Burley, if you want, in terms of just a, a a coach that has a proven track record in the NAL, I think that's a great one that's available too. You know, it would be kind of funny how if you had those teams flip-flop head coaches uh, with Jacksonville and Columbus. Um, I also think uh, – I also think that Coach Fuller over in uh, Carolina, you know, former Jacksonville Sharks head coach, uh, offensive coordinator for the Cobras, I think that would be one maybe you can look into. Um, just someone I think that either can hold, either that can stabilize the position for at least for the near future, if you want it that way, or like like we're talking with a player or alum, take a swing and put someone that's a local community guy that or someone that was with the team that knows the Columbus Lions community. Because I mean, again, with arena. It's all about, you know, community engagement, getting down there at the ground level and interacting with fans and those in the area, especially in Columbus, Georgia. So those might be your best plays. But you're right. I mean, there's there's options on both sides of the fence that you could take that I think would satisfy what you need to do this year to stabilize that franchise. And I also think because in the offseason, we also have players that could move on to the next level. There's talks that wide receiver Devin Wilson for the Jacksonville Sharks is going to the XFL possibly. What are some of the players in the National Arena League, like a Darius Prince or a Darian Townsend, that you could see make an XFL or a USFL roster? 
Well, I definitely think if you're talking Devin Wilson, which I mean, Wilson, you know, he, he's shown it over the years. He definitely deserves that nod. Actually, there's a few, there's a few sharks that have uh, gotten nods that I, off the top of my head, I can't place names, but I've seen them come across the ticker with some of their agencies posting. Um, I really hope Darius Prince does get a look. Um, that That's my hope. I know, uh, I, I said age to me is just a number because he's 32. So like some scouts could look at that as an issue, as an issue. But to me, you know, the guy has been at a top level. He was in a spring league in the Alliance American football previously. He's been in the NFL. You know, what, what can you say? He's done everything in arena at this point. You know, I feel like he should get back to that level if he's a lot, if he is allowed to. And I know he would love to pursue that if he's given the chance. Um, if we're talking about say others, other positions, you know, if I'm thinking like, for example, with Alliance, um, I think you can see like someone like a Joel Green. You can see a lot of defensive guys like Kenny Starks. I would really love to see him have a shot if he was given a chance. Um, but I think some of those positions might get might have to be evaluated, you know, a little differently. Because here's the caveat with Iron Man: is I love Iron Man for the sport. It sometimes though can make it a little more difficult for certain positions. I think with evaluation for like say a outdoor league. But if you excel at like say a receiver, you sell at DB. Um, and especially if you excel at like a linebacker spot too, I think those are ones you can look at. Quarterbacks, I think that that one is a little harder because I think teams, they look like outdoor teams, I think because of the shorter field, there's a little less throwing lanes and such, but I still think QBs deserve a shot. So like, for example, in this league, I mean, I've always, I've really enjoyed like Arvell Nelson, Sam Castronova, you know, Jonathan Bain, I feel like all those dudes, I feel like they deserve at least at least a shot at taking a look in the XFL or the USFL or wherever it is. Um, but some stuff, it's just a little harder with just with the rule sets and things to get evaluated. Uh, nonetheless, though, th- those are those are some examples. I think I think really, even though it's Ironman, some of those Ironman positions, if you focus on like the best side of the ball they played at, I think they should at least get a shot at that. Even like, say, a DJ Myers, for example, you know. First team with line, in terms of being a linebacker, they should take a look, even though he is a receiver uh, at heart. All right, Zach, you are very close to the National Arena League. Uh, I got to ask you, how was that championship game between Albany and Carolina? Oh, I love the atmosphere. Um, Albany did a fantastic job with their setup on that championship. Um, the presentation of it, I love the, I love the, I love the feel of the game. Uh, fans for that for that for the Empire came out pretty well, and I think they are growing it back up. You know, it's it's been a it's been a climb. I mean, co- the COVID year in twenty or the COVID year and then twenty twenty one, you know, with restrictions in Albany, New York, they had a lot of stuff they had to you know kind of get going with some hiccups due to trying to get some fans out there. And I think that that area is slowly getting back out for them. So that, so that, that fan base was great. Love talking to some people that I talk to online in person. It's always, uh, it's always fascinating to me to meet some folks in person that I never imagined I would. And then, uh, you know, getting to talk with just the NAL owners and the commissioner himself in person, getting to discuss some things on the league level. I, I think that the NAL is going a really good direction right now. Um, there's still things they could work on, of course, but in terms of the core foundation of it, you know, the owners that they have, the people that they are that are doing this and are dedicated to the sport and just the things they're doing to change the sport. Again, Ironman, I think after the early hiccups, they people are starting to be are starting to realize that it's it melds into the game well. And the Nets being announced, which they 
they've been talking about that for a while before this, and then they have rumored to possibly try and get that announcement done before the championship, and it didn't happen. But you know, they're excited to have that back. They're they're excited to have traditional arena football back, and I think that that really does put the sport in a prime position to excel a little farther because this is what we're going to get. That is what came out in 1987 again. You know, Ironman football, rebound nets, crazy scoring. And I'm talking even crazier than it already was with just the field goal posts. Like this is, this sport is going in, a, in the right direction in terms of the product. And I feel like at the championship, I got a little more excited than even I usually am about the national arena. Yes, I, I hope it can get back to the glory days of, you know, I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area, so mm-hmm. I grew up rooting for the San Jose Sabercats. Oh, yeah, you know, you you know, that, that that's and then that, that one. I hear so many stories from ex-AFL got, AFL fans about, you know, you got the Sabercats, of course. And I mean, obviously, the Rattlers are in the IFL, but I mean, they, you know, they have so much cred for being a traditional organization. And the NAL, of course, adding some. X, you know, AFL teams, I think is nice for that brand too. I mean, just look at what Orlando's doing, by the way. I mean, they had the yes. largest uh, single game attendance last year, uh, which is insane. Absolutely. Considering that that franchise almost was done existing after 2019. So hard to believe. All of us can remember the story of Kurt Warner playing for the Iowa Barnstormers. I mean, so the, anybody can have instant success in the arena football and I really wish the the best of luck to all these players in 2023 and and I cannot wait to get back into the you know the broadcast booth and and call the Columbus Lions. I mean I I talked to one of the owners they you know we're going to have a season, the Lions are going to be back in 2023 and I am excited to get back up in the broadcast booth. Oh yeah. I I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. And I'm I'm glad that you know they were quick to put anything of a doubt to rest with when, when when Gibson left because again I mean you you and I can't stress enough that Jason Gibson was more than just yeah. a head coach for this organization yes. so there were definite questions they settled that really quick that was a smart move and, and honestly the talking to owners over at, at Columbus they're smart guys they know what they're doing you know and I felt that and they they know that this was the right move to bring who they have in and they're going to make a good product out on the field and they're going to keep the tradition of that organization alive and very much thriving into the years to come. Really the the things that were going through my head when I found out that he was stepping down as the lions head coach, my first thought was what's going to happen to the Columbus lions? Cause coach mm-hmm. Gibson was the Columbus lions for 17 years. Right. And that, that is a little, it's almost, it's almost an understatement for how much I can, how much you and I can say that because of just how much he does. I mean, I, I've talking to him talking to other owners with the lions, you know, it's, he's not just a coach, you know, he's, he's helping, he'd help set up, you know, pregame festivities. He was, he's helping sell tickets, help sell ads. I mean, he is the, he was the everyman of that franchise. So that will, I mean, that was a pretty prominent question is, you know, where does the franchise go without Jason Gibson? And I think that, uh, you know, besides they, besides bringing in that new group and to you know try and reinvigorate reinvigorate some things with the franchise, I think that they also are starting to you know get a little more a little more invested in trying to uh, find folks that can replace what Gibson does. You know, in the sales department, in the ticketing department, and things like that. So, 
you know, there's a lot that they are, I think are trying to learn how they can move forward and uh, adjust. Um, but yeah, I mean, his spot in there was much, so much more than I could even like, even me just say that I feel like that's understating what I just said, what I just said about him. So um, yeah, they, they, they had a lot to, th- they had a lot to kind of process, but you know, they're they're everything I've talked, they're ready to go. They're looking forward to 2023. I mean, it, they're back to being excited about the season. So, you know, shock factor's over, folks. We're back in. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Zach, as always, thank you so much just for being a guest on the show. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more of your podcast, Inside the Walls, in the off season. It, you're going to have yeah. uh, uh, quite a few episodes in the off season before 2023 starts. Yeah, we still have content. It's a little slowed down. We're not going to do, <laughs> we're, we're going to slow down compared to the uh, three a week we were doing um, during the regular season. So uh, we're planning more like bi-weekly shows at this point. Um, if you, for folks out there, if you want to catch up, because, uh, you know, Rich, Richard did say, you know, there's two teams coming in this year. We already interviewed with, one of those franchises uh, with the with the front office and a little bit of their owner uh, over in Fayetteville. Um, you can catch that interview with uh, Coach Gunnings, uh, foot, Vice President of Football Operations, uh, Benjamin Pippen, and a bit of uh, owner Dr. Robert Twadell on our YouTube page or on our podcast page as well, Inside the Walls. We're also going to have, and, and still planning on this right now in the stages, we are looking to have the folks from West Texas on. So, Leaf Curtis and company, uh, Tate Smith, uh, head coach that is Tate Smith. We'll have those guys on in the near future. So, yeah, plenty more off-season content. We're going to also do, like, uh, pretty much an evaluation of the league on our own. We haven't even compiled a list of things yet for that. And then hopefully we can get uh, Commissioner Siegfried on again, kind of do like an like a off-season-ish, end-of-season, late-end-of-season type of uh, state of the league if we can. But there's plan. We definitely are going to have episodes. Uh there's, all, there's plenty of content going around. And then signings kicking. You know, the cycle continues. <laughs> there's no off-season when it comes to uh, the National Arena League. It's, you're definitely busy with your podcast. All right, that was Zach Kyleman. He is the host of a podcast called Inside the Walls. And I was just glad that he was able to get on this show and talk a little uh, National Arena League football, the state of the Columbus Lions, and a special tribute to head coach Jason Gibson. And definitely going to miss him. And I know that uh, uh, Zach and I really uh, shared some thoughts about Coach Gibson and what he meant to the community of Columbus. Glad, glad to be on, Richard. I'll come, I'll hopefully next time it won't be uh, <laughs> me missing a few of the times. But I'm looking forward to the next one. Welcome back to the show. And back on the show is Tanya Chavez. Tanya, what's going on? Oh, not much. Just uh, same old stuff, off-season training, and yeah, not doing too much. Working, same old stuff. How about you? Been kept really busy, especially with football season. Uh, are you excited about football season? Yeah, I mean, you know, just had the week one complete with the NFL. So, yeah, I, I watched bits and pieces of the games I caught most of that Dallas game Sunday night the easiest game for me to catch so probably the the most I saw this weekend besides highlights what was the most shocking game week one in the NFL that caught your eye good question I guess I mean the the Steelers game was it it was was really good um I honestly kind of was surprised about the Steelers without Big Ben um I guess that one would be the the one that caught my eye how about you 
Well, I think that the Rams losing to Buffalo on Thursday night, 31 to 10, I think that the Rams are a one-hit wonder. In fact, the two teams that played in the Super Bowl both lost. And Joe Burrow threw like five interceptions. Matt Stafford was sacked seven times. I just don't think these two teams are getting back to the Super Bowl. Well, actually, not to say that. I did catch some of that Thursday night game. And, oh, my goodness. Uh, Yeah, Stafford was getting sacked like crazy. And, yeah, all those interceptions. um, I know he was missing Beckham. So, but yeah, they didn't look like a championship team. And I was telling this guy at my work the same thing. I said, you know, that was not a good game for them. Another shocking upset was the Giants beating the Titans on a a two-point conversion to win that game. There there was just a lot of key football games that, you know, caught my surprise. But it's only week one. I mean, they'll bounce back. I mean, you had the Seahawks beating the Broncos. That was pretty shocking. I, I wasn't too shocked that Patrick Mahomes threw five touchdowns on the road. I mean, the Chiefs always blow people out in September. I mean, that's just what Patrick Mahomes does, and it doesn't matter that he doesn't have Tyreek Hill. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can tell he didn't miss Tyreek Hill at all, and um, I'm not surprised about Patrick Mahomes. I and mean, that guy is sharp most of the season, but you do get to see him kind of slow down towards the end. I don't know if it's just wear and tear or just getting beat up or tiredness, but um, I wasn't surprised about that either. Um, the other thing I, you know, surprised me too is that NFC East, all teams but the Cowboys won. Washington won, the Giants won, the Eagles won. Cowboys did not win, so, I mean, that put them in a hole. I mean, like you said, it's only week one, but now they don't have Dak Prescott either. He's injured, so um, who knows what's going to happen in that. Aren't you an Eagles fan? I am, yeah, and I wasn't surprised they won. I mean, I, I, I had a feeling they were going to win that game. Um, you know, Brown had a great game. Uh, I, I just saw highlights. I mean, I don't. They don't show the Eagles too much here in New Mexico. We get the Cowboy games, the Chiefs, Broncos. That's, those are the games we get here. But the highlights I saw, I really, I was really proud of them. I was happy for the results. All right, so you got the Los Angeles Chargers beating the Las Vegas Raiders, twenty-four to nineteen. Minnesota beating Green Bay, twenty-three to seven. That was a little shocking, but uh, Green Bay usually loses that first game, and then Aaron Rodgers tells the media to relax. And so maybe Green Bay will bounce back. And the, the Colts and the Texans uh, on a 2020 tie, uh, looks like Houston was going to pull away in that game. Uh, what about this game? Let's talk about this game for a little bit. Baker Mayfield takes on his former team, the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns, they were up big. Baker Mayfield leads Carolina back with 17 fourth quarter points. And then Cade York hits a 58-yard field goal for the Cleveland Browns to win their first game since 2004. The Cleveland Browns have never won a game week one, and they beat the Carolina Panthers and their old quarterback, Baker Mayfield. (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't see that one. I didn't see those highlights. But, I mean, I'm sure Baker Mayfield is really upset at that. I mean, I'm sure he's wanting to be his ex-team and – I mean, I'm glad he got the start. I'm glad he won the starting job. Um, I'm kind of excited to see what he does with his new team. Um, he's been wanting – it seems like he's been wanting out of the Browns for years. And so um, I'm just excited to see what he's got ahead of him this season. Do you play fantasy football? I don't. Um, I used to. Uh, when I had more male coworkers at work, we used to have a fantasy football league. But, um, yeah, I don't really have anyone to play with anymore. <clears throat> 
Uh, let's talk about college football. I mean, you being in New Mexico, you know, I went on a rant a couple of episodes ago about how they don't care about college football in California. And the proof was, look at all those empty stadiums. I mean, the Rose Bowl, UCLA's home opener only had about 30,000. I mean, it wasn't even 30% capacity. USC, I mean, this is a top 10 team right now. Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams and USC is looking great. But in their home opener, they didn't even sell out the Coliseum. And then Cal and Stanford, you know, with half, half stadiums. I mean, this is a disgrace. They don't care about college football in California. I, I know that in New Mexico, what is the vibe like for the New Mexico Lobos? I mean, where is the passionate fan base? Is it the same as California or is it a little bit different because you don't have any professional sports, major professional sports in New Mexico? Well, it's about the same like California, according to the football. Um, long ago, global football used to get super packed. It was extremely hard to get a seat, to get tickets. And now it's not that hard. Um, I actually was given tickets to that Boise State game last Friday. Last minute, this guy just came by the work and asked, you know, said, hey, I can't go. There's three tickets. And I unfortunately couldn't go. I had a soccer game. Um, so uh, I, you know, tried to give them to my neighbor. But anyways, um, we lost. Obviously, we lost that game to Boise State. Um, but it's just not there. It's not there anymore. Um, I think I was trying to explain that last time. Um, we're just, you know, we're more basketball oriented here soccer but and I, I think a lot of it is is because like we're very stingy here we want winners we want to have a winning team I know we haven't had that winning global football team in years so that's what it is unfortunately the fans here will not go to a global game unless they're on a winning streak it's it's it kind of stinks and I mean I really wanted to go to that game if I didn't have a soccer game that that night I would have I would have gone uh, what was the impact when Bob Davey was the head coach in New Mexico? I'm looking at his coaching career. He coached from New Mexico from 2012 to 2019. So at the very beginning, it was extremely exciting. And then, you know, again, no winning streak, nothing much going on. And then it dwindled away. Um, the last time the Lobos had a winning program or like successful fan base was when, oh gosh, the guy that coached Rocky Long, when Rocky Long was our coach. That's when it was packed. That's when the vibe was high. It was fire. Um, I was early in college. I wasn't going to UNM, but I just remember it was just fire. But since Rocky Long left, that's when things just up and down, up and down. But it's just, it's not good. People here want winning a winning team. And until the Lobos can get on that winning side, going to bowl games again, um, it's just going to, it's going to be empty seats. Uh, I don't know if you saw any highlights in that Lobo game, but there were some pretty empty seats. Yes, there was only 16,000 fans. <laughs> I know it was a Friday night, but Boise State, I mean, that's a rival in the Mountain West. And, you know, they'll come around. I mean, I was looking at the – they did go 9-4 and four in 2016, and they won the New Mexico Bowl. Mm-hmm. There's hope. There is. Uh, I mean, there is. Well, they're currently 1-1 one and one on the season after beating Maine, but losing to Boise State. They play UTEP this week, and then they got to go to Death Valley to take on LSU in two weeks. That should be fun. Oh, yeah. I think it'll be fun. Um, I, I I tend to see a lot of the local football players at work, and they're excited for it. Um, I, they've been talking about that game more than the other games right now. 
Um, every time I ask them, they, they're just focusing more on that game. And I know why. I mean, LSU is a big team. It's a, that's a big time team. They're ranked and everything. So, um, and then it's, you know, it's not, uh, they're both not playing at home, which is good. So um, we'll see what happens in two more weeks. So, you know, we got UTEP this weekend and um, I think we could pull out against UTEP and then, you know, see what happens with LSU. Tanya, I got to ask you, how's the offseason going for the New Mexico Lightning? And are you excited to uh, watch some national or indoor soccer league games coming up in December? Oh, yeah. Um, I keep looking at the schedules and uh, I'll be watching the NISL like I did last year, watching, you know, hearing you, watching you and the broadcast. Um, still in offseason with us here. Uh, the league, they're putting out the schedule. And just going to see what happens. I mean, financially, we're just still not not set. It's, you know, New Mexico struggled during the pandemic. We were locked down for over 15 months down here. So still a lot of businesses with, you know, struggling with money. And that does not help us with sponsorship. So I'm not sure, honestly, what's, we might have to take a season off. Um, and if that happens, I've already been offered to play with the Austin team. And so, I mean, I'm not going to stop playing until my body says no more. Uh, but, yeah, I'm excited. I know the in our league we have the U.S. national teams. And, you know, I played for the women in one game last year. Uh, our The men are going to be playing this Saturday against Mexico. So I'm going to probably tune into that as well. It's some pretty cool stuff. Uh, I think they come out on the Facebook Live. That's where they are seen. That is pretty awesome. I actually did watch you in a match on Facebook Live when you had that tournament in Dallas, or I believe it, no, it was San Antonio. I think you had this tournament in San Antonio where you were playing like multiple games in one day. <laughs> yeah, we did a lot of that. And it was just because they were trying to accommodate us so that our trip up there wasn't like so many trips. So they were trying to squeeze as many games and teams for us. They, they all showed up over there to play us. Um, so it might have been Houston. Uh, I just I don't know how recent you looked at the game. Um, I think yeah. it was in the, I think it was in the summertime. Okay, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was exhausting. <laughs> and then if it was this past summer, yeah, it was exhausting. And yeah, just I've been you know I've been battling injuries. I've been having the knee thing and plantar fasciitis and hamstring issues. So it just it just goes on with the the aging territory. Well, I tell you, I know you're a fan of the NISL, and we got two new expansion teams, the Tampa Bay Strikers and the Central Florida Crusaders. So we got a total of six teams in the NISL. Of course, the Memphis Americans, the defending NISL champions are back. And uh, they I noticed on their Facebook page, all of them are back signing. Kelsey Keon is back. Angel Haley, their goalkeeper. Uh, Lauren Odino drawn. I mean, they pretty much got a great team. Uh, the Rapids have not announced any signings. I- I'm curious mm-hmm. to see if Olivia Gerald's going to come back. I know that I talked to Megan Byers. She plans to be back. Brittany Conway plans to be back. Uh, Bria Riancho, our goalkeeper, probably one of the best goalkeepers in the NISL, should be back. And uh, Sydney Vadney said that she is going to be back. But uh, we got a new general manager, a new outlook, and and we should see some new players. I think that there's going to be a lot of different players on the broadcast. And, Tanya, it is official. They actually invited me to be back to call the games for Season 2. Um, I am excited about it. In fact, my new co-host and my broadcast partner for the high school game of the week, 
uh, said he is willing to call games with me. So I'm not going to be there by myself doing play-by-play. So it should be fun, and I'm looking forward to the season. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy for you. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. Uh, I love watching that. And, um, yeah, I'm, you know, like you said, the Rapids were, you know, under new coaching as well. So uh, hopefully they sign all those good players from last season. And um, I think they had a good squad. I really enjoyed watching uh, the Rapid games. I watched most of their games and the other teams, to be honest with you. And uh, excited to see what these new teams have to offer and what they look like. Um, I'm so glad the league is growing. Uh, it's, it's really exciting. Maybe it'll come a little bit more west and uh, we'll see some west teams in. I know the guy in Dallas in my league, the guy that runs the Dallas teams, he really wants to put a team in the league. He has mentioned it so many times. Um, and then he also has mentioned, and we were trying to do a scrimmage with one of the teams in the NISL, and it didn't work out. But uh, that's, you know, we were trying to do that as well. So hopefully we can get something going next year with that. All right, Tanya, I got to ask you, I know you're a baseball fan. I mean, you like the Angels. Albert Pujols used to play for the Angels. Yeah. Will, will Albert Pujols hit his 700th home run? I think so. I really think so. He is having a great last season, and um, I'm sad to see him go. Uh, I'm glad he's having a good season with the Cardinals. Um, I do believe in him. I believe he's going to do it. He's almost there. Um, I know the season is dwindling down, but I, I think he can do it, and I'm excited for him. I hope he does do it. Um, and, yeah, I love baseball. I was actually trying to watch the Yankee game right now. The Yankees and Red Sox are playing on TV, and they're tied. But yeah, baseball is exciting. Uh, the Dodgers has clinched the playoffs. And I know my Angels are not going, uh, hmm. but still, still excited to watch it. I love baseball. I cannot wait till the baseball playoffs. The rivalries. I mean, I remember how heated that Yankees Red Sox rivalry was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember 2003 when Aaron Boone hit that home run off Tim Wakefield. And then the Yankees and Red Sox meet again in the ALCS in 2004. And that, right, and this is my opinion. I mean, you tell me if I'm correct or not. But the Red Sox coming back to defeat the Yankees after trailing 3-0 is the greatest sports story of all time. Oh, yeah, I agree, especially because the rival, the playoffs, and those were the days. That's when I really loved that rivalry because there were so many strong players on both sides. You know, Big Poppy and – uh they had, um, gosh, that pitcher, I forget his name right now, Mariano Kurt, Rivera. Mariano Rivera for the yeah, Yankees. They had him. Kurt, yeah, Schilling. Mm-hmm. Kurt Schilling's bloody sock. You got Pedro Martinez. Yeah. yeah, there were so many good players on both sides. Um, yeah, I used to love watching that rivalry. Uh, that's a, you know, here in New Mexico, those are the games we get to. We get the Dodgers and the Yankees, all the, you know, the big time clubs. That's who we get. We don't even get the Rockies and, the isotopes, the Albuquerque isotopes are their affiliate. <laughs> it's so funny. But oh, the, oh, that takes me back. The Albuquerque isotopes. I think I remember when I was living in the Sacramento area, I believe I went to a Sacramento River Cats game when they played the Albuquerque isotopes years ago. Triple <laughs> A yeah. baseball in the in the Pacific Coast League. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the isotopes have been around for a long time. I mean, we used to be called Albuquerque Dukes when I was growing up, and then they switched to the isotopes. Uh, gosh, maybe in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. right when I remember the isotopes. Yeah. 
Yeah, wow, but it's cool still pretty stuff. cool. You know, we we've been with everybody, the Marlins, the Rockies, you know. I think we're still with the Rockies now. So but yeah, um I need a go I I went to an Ice Tops game last month. I need to go again. Um it was really fun to go watch that. So Who's your favorite basketball team? I I don't have one. I mean, I was watching. I used to like the Heat, but I I don't know. I I was just like a fan of Dwayne Wade. He retired, and um, I've been watching the Suns because they're just right next door. Yeah, the local team. Yeah, yeah, they're right there. I mean, again with basketball, you guess who New Mexico shows the Lakers. <laughs> they don't even show the Suns too much. We get all the the Lakers, you know, the big the big name teams. The Knicks, you know, even though the Knicks aren't very big, but I mean, like, top-notch teams, like the big cities, I guess, you know. Um, so they they like to show the Lakers the most, though, out of all the teams. Occasionally, we get the Jazz. We don't even really get Nugget games too often. So, but yeah, um, we'll see what happens this season with the Suns. The whole NBA, you know, it should be interesting. Oh, I cannot wait until the NBA season. We're about a month away. Mm-hmm. You know, the season just starts earlier and earlier. So you're looking at NBA training camps happening in a couple of weeks. I mean, one thing is for sure, though, is that the Sacramento Kings will continue having that drought of missing the playoffs. They have missed the playoffs since the last time the Kings made the playoffs was 2006. <laughs> and that was the tail end of their uh, greatest show on court era. And the Kings have not made the playoffs ever since. Uh, meanwhile, you have up and coming teams like the Minnesota Timberwolves. I, I actually appreciate what the Timberwolves did with Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. But now Patrick Beverly, who is the most flamboyant, most scrappy player I've ever met is now on the Lakers, and I think that's going to be a difference maker. I think Patrick Beverly on the Lakers is going to equal more wins. I don't think necessarily the Lakers are going to win the NBA title. There's too many good teams out there, like the Celtics and the Warriors and the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis. Mm -hmm. But with Patrick Beverly, I think that Russell Westbrook takes a step back, and he doesn't try to do it all himself. Anthony Davis gets healthy. And uh, LeBron is is going to try to run it back. He's convinced that the Lakers with the big three and now with Patrick Beverly is going to win an NBA title. Yeah, I mean, if those guys can stay healthy, because LeBron and Davis have had some bad healthy issues the last couple of years, um, I think they can, they can make a good run. And then, you know, Patrick Beverly, like he's got like a defensive charge. Right? Like, you know, he causes problems. I think he causes headaches for the other teams. So I honestly... Sometimes can't stand him, but um, he's going to change the team, I think. And um, I don't know, like Westbrook didn't seem like he was flowing with them last season too well. I don't know what, unless I was seeing something wrong, but I didn't, I feel like they weren't meshing together. All those guys were just not meshing together. Maybe it was the injuries. I really like Westbrook. You know, I like him. He's very athletic. He's a great point guard. I don't believe he stands you with the ball. You know, I just, I like the way, I like when he can handle the ball. When he's got the ball, I, I feel like he makes things happen. I loved watching him when he was on the Thunder. Him and KD, they were so much fun to watch. I'm excited. You know, I got to, I got to really get a team, I think. You know, maybe I'll just become a Suns fan. They're right there. Um, they're, you know, they're our neighbors. So, oh, of course. Living in New Mexico. Who's the hockey team? Is it the Arizona Coyotes? Is it the, is it the Colorado Avalanche? 
Yeah, it's the avalanche. Uh, no one really talks about the coyotes. Um, everybody knows the avalanche. But then, you know, here in New Mexico, much into hockey. Nobody talks about it too much. I don't ever see anyone wearing hockey jerseys. Um, it's, I don't know. I mean, we do get snow. We get a winter here. We don't have hockey here. That's the thing. We do not have hockey um, here in New Mexico. I mean, we have ice skating rinks, but we used to have a semi-pro hockey team, the Scorpions, long ago. That was a game when I was uh, growing up, the New Mexico Scorpions. But, yeah, it's just not there, you know. I used to watch a lot of hockey when I was a kid, but, you know, just don't don't really watch it as much anymore. I, I could tell you the players when I was a kid, but now all I know is, like, Sid the Kid, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he's Sidney not the, Crosby. Yeah. Well, I tell you one thing New Mexico is famous for. Thor's hammer. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was filmed in New Mexico. Yes. Yep. You'll always have. That's the, that's the place where mm-hmm. S.H.I.E.L.D. set up a perimeter around Thor's hammer when it landed on Earth. I know I'm a big Marvel geek. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. They, they filmed a lot of stuff Marvel here. You know, there was some... Captain America, some of that movie was filmed here, too. There's a lot of stuff. You know, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. There's a lot of things filmed in New Mexico here in Albuquerque, in fact. But, yeah, that was pretty cool, actually. I remember that. 2012, I believe, the Thor movie came out. Yeah, right around that time. Yeah, it's, I it's remember a that. Marvel movie and stuff. Well, Tanya, oh, man, it's been a blast. Um, I hope that you enjoy this new format that I'm doing now where I go an hour on the radio station, which means... If I have a guest on, I mean, feel free to hop on for like 10, 20 minutes because uh, some of my episodes will have multiple guests. So I'm, I really appreciate you just hopping on and talking sports with me. Yeah, you know, anytime, you know, uh, I love it. I love sports. And uh, it's I mean, sometimes it's hard for me to, to catch things. You know, I got <laughs> work and other stuff going on, but I'll, I'll get I'll catch highlights. And that way, you know, I stay up to date. I get the ESPN alerts all the time I'm trying to keep up with those and read those so but yeah you know i'm excited i i watched nfl more than the college football i, I you know i caught some of the Notre Dame game the other day they lost so it's like um, wow yeah yeah marcus freeman's zero and three as a coach that's yeah. shocking yeah i was i watched some of that i mean i just noticed a lot of the field goals this weekend both pro and college was horrendous i mean the byu game i don't know if you well it was really late it was on like it's one o'clock your time when it was ending but my goodness, so many missed field goals in that game just to win the game. They were in overtime. That yeah. game ended like at three o'clock in the morning, my time. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it was, way, it was way too late for you. So, yeah, I'm excited, you know, um, see what college games show up on TV. We get a lot of college games, but, you know, I sometimes try to tune into the Notre Dame games a lot just because they're fun. I don't know. They just excite me. Well, um, Notre Dame the is the national team, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think because of that, you know, they're popular and people talk about them here, too. All right, Tanya. Well, thank you so much once again for joining the show. And uh, we'll definitely keep in touch and uh, we'll do it again sometime. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you. All right. All right. That was Tanya Chavez. And uh, she's uh, gracious enough to join me and talk a little sports here on the show. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sports Beat. I hope everybody has a great rest of your night. And we're out of here. Bye. You've been listening to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, 
Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved.